Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today I am joined by Rabbi Yecheskel Elias, the author of a fantastic new book on Animamin, on all the Animamins. Thank you Rabbi Elias for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Now this is a, really a groundbreaking work, at least in my eyes, because Animamin is such a fundamental part of Yiddishkeit, the Yud Gimel Ikrim, Animamin. I mean, it's Animamin. And yet, from what I've seen, there isn't really any comprehensive work on the Yud Gemulikram until now. You've put out this new book, which Mir Tashem is going to be uh, bought and used in Yiddish homes across the globe. Tell us how you came to get involved in this project. I certainly hope so. Thank you for the bracha for Hatzlacha. I hope it uh, finds a welcome audience in Klai Yisrael. Um, I would say, in fairness, there are other works out there. Um, in my research in writing this, going back to the drawing board, I sat down to give Shurim on this. I'll talk about that shortly, Amir Tashem. But um, there are Svarim out there that works out there. Lashna Kaidish has a tremendous amount. But it's important to differentiate the different types of works and different types of target audiences. You know, who are the Mechabrim or the authors aiming for? I do think, and I do feel very strongly that in a sense of what we're trying to target here, it's a novel approach in terms of today's day and age, what mm-hmm. we need in that sense. But to say there are, which there is, are other... Which is actually what I was going for, is that in English, in an understandable translation with commentary, that type of work, I feel that your new work is very, very unique in that sense. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, well, the goal here was, really, truth is that, that there, I would say more or less at the risk of oversimplification, the works until, up until this point that I'm familiar with are the ones widely available. I, I don't claim to know, all the, you know everything out there. Kali Searle has put out a tremendous amount of literature. There are some out there that people use the animamins as a springboard for all types of schmoozing and ideas and topics that they want to talk about. And it's really just a springboard to get into a bigger topic without really staying true to the mission of the animamins itself. Um, other farm go to the other extreme, and they have the animamins. We're really focusing on the text and pretty much that alone, saying what the words are. Those are the two of the more recent um, things that have been put out. You know, the literature has been out, again, in multiple languages. Um, that would, I would say that. Now, you go back well further back, times of Rambam and, and uh, you know, Rishayim and others have dealt with these in Yonim. We have long-winded, very intense hashkafa matter. And to put all those things into their category, today's day and age, I think the really question that we, before we started was, um, what would appeal to today's day and age? How can we make this something that is, appeals to Klai Yisrael today? And what did, what did you find? What was the key to make it appropriate for today's generation. Okay, so I'll take one step back. The first thing I think which is important to, is that there's a tremendous bikush in Kalei today for so much in Yadus and so much in Taira. It's a tremendous, tremendous uh, bikush out there. There's a desire for more Taira, more information. People want. There's a thirst out there. Because um, I'll tell us that, uh, that um, there are many, the, the ten types of, uh, of hungers that will come to the world, the different types of rub, the kash Bakulam will be in the end of Torah Mashiach, There'll be a time of loy rav lechem loy sam lemayim kim shemayis derei Hashem. There'll be a rav as well. There'll be a rav as well, and there'll be kashem mikulam. Be the hardest rav, but there'll be a real thirst for Tyra. a real thirst for 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 what we could, same way a person thirsts for food, water. People want Tyra. and we see that today. People want that. And the question is really, you know, without getting into details here, but the idea is, how are we as educators attacking that need? So when someone wants something. We can either sell them the same thing they've had for years previous, but every generation has their own tchuna, and they have their own understanding, how they see life. I mean, everything we do today is totally different. We don't live in the same world as 50 years ago. What, what do you think the key is as far as today's language? Is it dumbing it down? Is it, I, mean, I hate to say that, but... Exactly that point. Meaning, if we have to go ahead and start selling ourselves cheap, if we take the material mm-hmm. and we sell it cheap, we, you know, we downgrade it and, and um, 
you know, years ago, I remember Rebbe Shimon also. Because, by the way, before you go on, yeah. I would say here in the world of art scroll, I would say it's punk fakert. It's about putting it in today's language, in today's vernacular, today's jargon, without bringing down the quality of the work. So that, that's, that's really exactly what we're targeting. What we're targeting exactly is the message is inviolable. There's nothing about it that can be changed. It's Tyrus Emes. It's exactly what's meant to be said. Now, the first mm-hmm. question always has to be, what did, in this case, the Animamans, so I can deal with that further, but uh, the Yugrim Ikram that we have are based, are, the best of our knowledge, they're based upon the Rambam's Ikram that he established in Hakdama to the Parachelic in Sanhedrin. And he elaborates there. We have a, a bridge version, which more or less lines up with the Rambam. And we're going back to that. So we have to ask ourselves, what did the Rambam want? Before we decide how to package the message and deliver it to people today, mm-hmm. we have to be honest to what the message is. And that's really the first goal of this whole work. The the way, is, which is the, the first question people are going to ask. Most people assume that the Yud Ikram were written by the Rambam. Is that, is that accurate? Okay, so that, that, I know that, it's a loaded question. It's an eye-opener. It's an eye-opener. And when I first saw this, especially when I got into these, uh, so we'll go through the history of how we got here, but the idea of when I went through this more and and you know, delving into this and seeing the history and what happened, it was an eye-opener for me. And somehow, you know, it's been quite a few years that the, every child grows up knowing the Yud Ikram. And as you look through it, you realize we have no idea who the author of the Animamans and our sitter. We have absolutely not a clue who wrote these Animamans. It's astounding because you have something that it could have been a fantastic, we assume it has to be somebody pretty chashiv to have that schus to catch on, to be inspiration for Claudius role. And we're talking about Animamans that aren't just, you know, me and you, you, know, you and I and every other person out there saying it. The Chavetz Chaim said to push to say it every single day. Other Gedolim pushed for it. The Claudius role did something accepted by Claudius role and by the Gedolim of Claudius role, the leaders of Claudius role, not just the Hamaynam. So we have clear guidance that this is a correct thing to go. There, there were questions that come up, uh, that have come it, up. It, yes or no, was it written by the Rambam or was it not? To the best of our knowledge, absolutely not. Okay. I can't say that affirmatively because uh, we don't know who wrote it. Well, but, I could say, but I could say that there are enough discrepancies between the Animamin version that we have and the Rambam Pirish Mishnayis that would seem to indicate. Now there are those. I know there are people out there who would suggest the Rambam over the years may have had other versions and maybe this is a takeoff of that. Mm-hmm. What we have, the facts that we have in front of us is we have an elaborate version of the Rambam himself that he wrote in Arabic, translated. We have a few translations, but more or less the same. Then we have the Animamans in, in uh, well, the, the Siddur version, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They line up more or less. They're very clear and subtle. There are some they're very clear uh, differences, the disparities between the two. Those disparities lend us to believe that it's not the same author. It's based on that, clearly, it seems to be. Mm-hmm. But um, I, the, 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 the betting money would be that it's not the same Mechaber. And at what point in time did those Animamans, whoever the author was, did it somehow get into the mainstream, so to speak, where it's in every single Siddur? So, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's a mystery digging backwards, trying to figure out, you know, things spread and spread. But we were the first, even just the first source, dating the first source. Right. So we look, we find Svar, and we look back. Um, listed in the, in the introduction to this, to this work, where there's a, a number of, uh, of uh, sort of, there's a, some Sidurim, some Machzarim in the 1500s. We're talking about 300 years after the Rambam was Nifter. Right, I mean, right. After Rambam passed away, 300 years passed, and we have no record, no documentation. That could be because things were destroyed. It could be mm-hmm. it was actually earlier. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. Um, so it shows up three hundred years later. We don't know the Mechaber. That catches on to the degree that people sort, sort of think that's the Rambam and they forget about the Rambam. Most people have very little knowledge, if any, of the Rambam's version or the Rambam mm-hmm. himself wrote. The job here, really, you know, there's always a, a dilemma here. Where do you stay true to? Do you go? Do you aim for the Animamin version? Do you aim for the Rambam version? Mm-hmm. Largely, again, they 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 dovetail. They they, they they work together. They're along the same lines. I made a point of trying to speak out really both the capturing the best of both worlds. The Rambam was, the goal here is the Rambam's, the bottom line is the Rambam, but there are chapters, there are, there are ideas that are expressed that are clearly, they're, they're written very clearly that 
these are the ideas of the Baal Ani Mamen, whoever wrote this. These are ideas that we accept. We may not mm -hmm. know who it is, but the fact that Klai had it for centuries and Gedalim accepted it, that's good enough. That's credentials right, as far as Klai right. is concerned. That, that, that gives us the right. mandate to go ahead and explore that angle too. Now this work also has a, a unique emotional component that's very unlike other works which are also equally special and that it's dedicated Lilu Nishma's Davi Steinmetz, son of uh, Reb Shlomi Steinmetz and his Rebetzin. And there's definitely something special about that. But how did you get involved together with Reb Shlomi? And, and I know that the Sefer is also based on Shiurim you've been giving on Animam. And take us back to the, the history here, because it's only a year old, the, you know, that, uh, that Kla Yisrael experienced such a gut-wrenching tsara. And what's come out of it is just a, a revolution of chizik. And now Rip Shlaimi and his whole effort to spread the saying of Animam and talk about that. Okay, so I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a way of guiding people and taking people to where they have to be. Um, I've been involved in very many different uh, situations in Montreal in the Chinuch aspect, Chinuch in terms of Bachrim, elementary, high school, post-high school, Balbatim, people who are up in their years, uh, it could be B.E. and it could be, uh, you know, all sorts of different types of things that are going on. And sometimes one window closes, the next window opportunity opens, and sometimes you end up somewhere you don't know where and what. Based on, you know, a couple of years doing something and then that closes and you say, you know, what happens now? Right? And sometimes that, that's the impetus to get you to the next step. Um, based on a confluence of various factors, I end up spending more time, there are a number of different shuls right around my neighborhood. Um, it's a pretty close-knit uh, neighborhood, our neighborhood of Montreal. I live right around the corner of the Steinmetz's. Um, and I ended up spending more time within Mesifteratius Chachma, which is where Rabbi Shlaimi Davins, his father-in-law as well, Davins there for close to 30, 50 years. They're very uh, much your, your father's the Rosh Kailal in... Of the, of the Kailal. Of the Montreal Kailal. Montreal Kailal, which is on the same block. Right. It's on the same block. It's right there. I live right across the street, so we're, you know, we're all, it's all within the same Daladams, literally. Um, and I ended up, this is more of a, the Masif is more of a Heimish place, more of a Hungarian flavor to it, it's a different type of uh, crowd. Very warm crowd, very nice crowd. And interestingly, I hadn't even been there that much. It's across the street from my house. Occasionally, Davin Shachris. It just, you know, I hadn't been there that much. And then I, due to different factors, I ended up gravitating more towards that shul and opportunities that were there. And then came Lag Baimer. And again, whether you daven there, whether you didn't, Montreal, even the broader community of Montreal, there's a big, large Hasidic community, a large Sephardi community. Montreal, we all know each other. It's big, there are large numbers there, and we all know each other. And it's everyone's sorrow. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something we all felt. And I remember that night, you know, the night of Lagbaimir, and we heard news of the tragedy, and no one knew exactly what happened first, and then things were developing, this happened, that happened. And then suddenly we heard there are people from Montreal, there are people we know who are part of the Tsar. But no one knew yet what happened, and, and are they alive, are they not alive? Um, there were others from Montreal, besides Yerushalayim, and, and or the, again, not necessarily in Montreal at the time, but people who had their roots in Montreal. And the whole night, you know, people were saying to him, and people were just in that pensive state, not knowing what's going to happen. And, and again, there's a personal, became like a fan, it's, you, you hear in the news today, we become sort of, uh, you know, desensitized mm -hmm. to anything going on there in the world. We hear this, we hear that. And it's, you know, today the, 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 the flood of media just sort of desensitizes us. But when it hits home, it hits home. And this is Ar And we heard the whole night, and, we're waiting. and then we came to Shachris. And we all, you know, different people heard earlier, later, but, you know, we all heard the news. And it was a tzara for, it was a tzara for Montreal in particular. Sure. You know, we, it hit us very hard. Um, you know, many people around the globe, everyone had a personal connection to someone there, but, but it's uh, something very personal. So at that time, during the Shiva, sitting there with Shlaimi, and, and, and it, became, it became such a, uh, a passion for Shlaimi. 
that he's going to take this. He spoke by the Levaya, whoever saw the Levaya. It, it, it was heart-wrenching to see, but it was passionate to see. I got phone calls from people afterwards who said to me, you know, Shlomi, he's not from the, you know, the Tzadiki Hadar, the Gedoyle Hadar. This is a simple Pasha the Yid who can stand by his own son's Levaya. And he gets up and says, Echad Mishkintainis, Ani Mamin, this is it. Unbelievable. A person called me from, from, from Florida. I got a few other phone calls. And, and you know, schmoozing with people. And people were inspired by seeing this, how he himself, it's easy to talk, you know, talk the talk, but this is somebody's own son's Levaya. Mm. You know, son's in front of him, and he can get up there and say, you know, we trust the neighbors there. And he did this. He came home from Eretz Yisrael, by the Shiva. And this became a message that he was, he was going to carry. And, and when, when I spoke to Rupslam, we were talking about by the Shiva, the, the videos that went out of, of the Olam sitting around and singing on Imam, and it was, it was surreal. It was hard, to, it was hard yeah. to believe, and and it was hard not to join in the in the emotion and crying of the moment because everyone was swept up in that moment. It was really unbelievable. Yeah. So 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 Shlomi himself, I mean, as well known, he's been on a on a, on a mission to make right. this, you know, Imam in everyone's everyone's property, everyone's passion, and one you know starts at home base. So in Masifta itself, after davening, people should say Imamins. Interestingly, the Rambam himself has a strong aversion to institutionalizing saying Imamins. He mentioned this to yeah. Jews. Um, they're trying to speak about this. Um, some people know about this because of there's a question of Allah, about standing by the reading of the Sarsha Dibrais. We try not to promote one part of Torah too much. People shouldn't get the wrong impression. But the mm-hmm. Ram himself, without the details, the Ram himself strongly, again, he has this aversion to institutionalizing a shul should not have a, a, an official reading, so to speak, together mm-hmm. of Animamin or a Sarsha Dibrais or anything else, it would seem from the Rambam. But after davening, everyone to say it, that's fantastic. Everyone should take the time. And we end off Aleinu. The, 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 the Mepharshim speak out. The reason why we end Aleinu, at the end of our davening, put that at the end, is to end off with the message of Amuna. That's all it's all about. Mm-hmm. We walk out of Shul, walk out into your life with Amuna. Shlaimi started home, his home base in Masifta. It's a family, it's a Shul, it's, that's where he is. And the Balbatim, the people there, were saying this every single day. And I had a conversation with uh, some of the Balbatim there who I had grown to have more of a Shaykhis with, and more of a Kesher with. And they were discussing how we have these animamins in the sitter. For the average person, you read it, you see the words, you know what most of them mean. Okay, so you open the article version, you get the full translation, hopefully your English is up to article par, you know, and you, and you know what's going on. So, okay, but what do these ideas mean? And then you have questions. If you think about it, you have questions, and where are the answers? Mm-hmm. And the average person out there, where are you supposed to look? They're not people aren't going to start looking up and, you know, again, there was no easily accessible work. If you want to sit down and learn, a, you know, something in philosophy or something else, or, or you know, the other works out there, it's fun, they're very intense. But the average you know, person out there who wants to spend a few minutes, and they're talking about how can we have this animam and take it to the next level. Instead of just saying the words, at least one time, sit down and figure it out. So we discussed the idea of having a shir. And the Balatim were extremely into this. Let's have a shir. We're discussing, you know, let's make it short. Let's make it tangible. Let's make it one message each time. We're talking about 10 minutes, 8 minutes. Take one message. It doesn't have to cover a full animam each time. Take it step by step. One clear message each time. Something explaining each of the animamins. So we started. Twice a week, ten minutes, eight minutes. And you, minutes. you were giving the shear? Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a tremendous physic for me because I grew up in the yeshiva system, more or less like many, many people out there. Everyone knows, you know. Everyone uh, can tell you that uh, that, uh, that you know. Of course, like mom is so important. You can look at him so important. Many people say over, you know, from uh, from Chaim, from Beis Brisk. There's a famous uh, expression, you know, the idea that, that if you don't know the Imamins, you're you're flawed in your Yiddishkeit. If you don't know the Imamins, you're, 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 you're there's something missing in your, your very essence of being a Jew. And then what? What are the animamins? You mm-hmm. stop these people and ask them, do you know what they are? And people could tell you some of them. We know it's so important. We talk about it, but, but what do they mean? So for me, I, you know, I feel bad saying this, but myself, you know, of course we know the basics, but how much thought have we given to the core of our Ramuna? Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity for me to really sit down and get to work on this. 
Um, you know, really Were you doing a lot of preparation for it? Was it did it really become a whole it, it was undertaking? Hard, it was hard, especially in the beginning, finding the, um, the right form for what I wanted to accomplish. I could mm -hmm. find the, you know many in-depth things, but I wanted pshat. I wanted people to have the pshat of what was going on. What do I have to know? If mm -hmm. I give you, let's say, talks about uh, whatever topic it is, and I can give you many fine divrei tayr on it, and and what Rishonim say, and say, what do I have to know to fulfill that role? I have to know these thirteen things. These are essential. These are essential for me as a yid to know. What exactly do I have to know and what don't I have to know? Do I have to know all the details? Do I have to know the basics? What's the idea that I have to know mm -hmm. the concept? And we pare it down. What exactly do I have to know? Job number two, and this goes back to your original question about uh, you know, how to make it relevant. Once you have the message, can you put it into terms that people can understand? Without cheapening the message, without mm -hmm. bringing it down, take that exact message and put it into people's terms. That means, for example, I, you know, one thing I can say, I, I've taught in many, many scenarios, and I'm proud to say that you know, in the use of misholim, all sorts of parables to make things tangible. I've never used a mushal to the best of my knowledge. I've never in my life used a mushal of a king and a princess. Talk to people today, the best, maybe a judge, or a court, maybe, you know, if a guy's mm -hmm. been in court a few times. But you have to make it relevant. Put it into their terms. And there's so many things in our life. Look around. There are things that happen in our life every day. Take mm -hmm. that and use that as a mushal, something they can understand. Take something right. they understand and attach it to the idea, and it works. And if you put it into their terms, they get, the people get it, they grasp mm -hmm. it, they can run with it. That's what it's all about. Baruch Hashem, we found tremendous atzlacha with the shurim. Uh, people took to it, very successful. Uh, people came, people wanted to hear more. Um, this crowd in, 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 within the shul started sending it out by email to other people. Today, because of the assignments, there's a site on imamin.net, right. the shurim on the site, there are other shurim on the site from Ralph Piansky, from others. Um, it's developed, it's grown, and Baruch Hashem, there's a thirst. Kleisrael wants to hear, and Kleisrael wants to hear, I, I firmly believe, they want to hear real teichen. They want to hear real material. Sure. You know, you tell someone a, a cute thing or something, a, a nice vart, which is cute, but it doesn't get to the core of the matter, people know what they're getting. Right. If you get up and speak for an hour and you just say stories, people know they're not getting the real tire. They're getting tired, they're getting a nice, uh, very enjoyable experience. But people want to hear the real deal. And when you tell them something that it says in Zayar or something esoteric, and it's real tire, it's genuine, but it's not tangible for people, mm -hmm. it's also not giving them something that could change their lives. Right. So you have to put it into a way that they can grab and they can change their own lives. So at what point did you decide, okay, we're going to take the shear that seems to be growing in popularity, and we're going to turn it into a written book. So this, uh, you know, as, as, as so much in the world that happens, this is thanks very much to, in part, this really Besser. Um, this really is, is a man who, who loves making connections. He has a talent to make connections, and, you know, he saw the potential. He spoke to Vigdali uh, Zadowitz, and I have to say, to me, you know, everyone, you grow up with art school. You know, we, you know, we talk in the early days when art school first had the Megillah, Today, by and large, we all grew up with Art Scroll. And sure. it's sort of humbling, you know, to call up, you know, everybody sideways on the phone and, and you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're taking your work seriously. That's a, that's a big deal, you know. Right. And everybody sideways from day one has been passionate. He calls, you know, we're on the phone and he's behind it. It's going to come out. It's going to be phenomenal. We're Did you this. have written samples at that point or, did, or was it just an idea? Um, I had not written up any samples. Rabbi Zlatowicz asked me in the beginning of the process to, to see how to put it down into writing. I had written extensively in other forums, in, mostly in halacha matters, in a number of different, for different publications. So uh, I've done quite a bit of writing in the past. I've published other things in the past. So writing is not something foreign to me. And I would, say, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you're an anical grandson of the famed Rabbi Joseph Elias, who, you know, in, in art school lore is quite a name, having written... Uh, you know, a, num a number of works, right? And uh, his, his Haggadah is the, is the go-to Haggadah. 
Um, is that something that you have in the, the Elias gene, the, the writing know. ability? Is that... I'd like to say I don't deserve any credit for my writing. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would like to think I'm that. I'm sure you've honed the skill, well, but... Sure the... My father as well is a, you know, carries on those genes, so uh -huh. I would like to think, oh, I'd be humble to say this, but I, I would like to say that uh, I would dream of one day doing that. I would also say that one of my grandfather's uh, more monumental uh, accomplishments with Artscroll was writing the commentary to the Schoenstein Perichelik, which really? deals specifically with these, with these topics. And I will tell you that it, it's something, it was, it was a difficult heritage, a different feeling for me as I went through this all because my grandfather, my grandfather having you know, passed away a few years ago, you know, having missed it by those few years, the opportunity mm -hmm. if I would have had, these are the exact, these were the topics that were up his alley, so to speak. You know, right. He had that proficiency and the fluency. Mentioning my grandfather in particular, I would just point out that, that as I went through this work and I'm writing this, a particular sensitivity I had, a, a, a feeling of loss, my grandfather, one of his monumental accomplishments was, of his many accomplishments, was writing the commentary to the Art Scroll, Schoenstein edition, Perik Chelik, the Perik in Mesechle Sanhedrin, which deals with precisely these, you know, these topics, Mashiach, Amuno, the basics. All those topics are covered in that Perik, mm -hmm. and it's precisely there where he excelled in bringing that to Kali Yisrael. And as I went through these topics, you, know, you have the feeling like, you know, I missed this by a few years. My grandfather passed away a few years ago, not that long ago, and having... If I would have had the opportunity to, to discuss these matters with him and go through them, it would have enriched my life, my understanding. I don't have that, but it's if I <laughs> if I may humbly say, what what you've done is a magnificent work. I've no doubt that up above your grandfather shopping tremendous nacha. So uh, perhaps we didn't benefit from his input, which would have been invaluable for such a work. But there's no question that with the beautiful product that we have, and this book, that's again that people are going to enjoy immensely and going to really take to make it a major part of the day, your grandfather, no, no doubt, Chapri Nachas. I so. hope so. I, I try to stay true to this mandate. I think the vision, I think that he would like to see it uh, brought out to the world, and I hope I'm playing some small part in filling that. Now, in, in learning Animamen in depth, which you've done, um, I'm just curious, is there any part of Animamen that really stood out to you, or that you said to yourself, wow, I, I always thought of it one way, and now you see it in a different light, and is there a particular Animamen that, that, that more meaningful to you? What, what, what was the revelation or the epiphany that you had when you started really going in depth? There, there, were, there were lessons every step of the way. And this may sound, but, but really every step of the way, there were, when you clarify an idea and you say, wow, that, that's what the Rambam meant and it makes so much more sense and it clicks and there's a real message here. I would say, the particular, what, you know, as each person finds something insightful, as each reader goes through you know, the work, they'll find things according to their own life experience, what they took for granted, which may be true, not true, modifiable, or something along the lines. Hopefully everybody mm -hmm. should feel enriched. There's one point which really became clarified as I went along this work, and that is, when we talk about Amuna. What does it mean? You know, the words Animam and I believe, everyone says, I believe, I believe. Amuna by itself just means I believe something. You know, a fool can believe anything. The words I believe by themselves don't really have any connotation. I can believe what I want to believe. What does that mean as a yid? And one thing that we really get from the Rambam, and this is something that I really felt as you go through the work, and it becomes more and more clear, and, and, and each of these ideas contribute to this, and that is the Rambam wasn't writing random concepts. He wasn't writing random ideas. So I'm not going to refer to one specific idea, but the sum total of the ideas it's not about like, we have the idea, like, okay, I check off the box, I believe in Hashem, check, I'm done, that's it, you know, we're good, we're good to go. The Rambam was addressing, the Rambam was addressing life as a Yid. I'm a Jew, I live in this world. What does that mean? Where am I going? What's my direction? He put together, there's the word animamen, that I believe in something, but what is that something? 
That something has 13 pieces. There's a puzzle here with 13 pieces. And you put them together, you have a full picture. Mm. That picture, I say, Animam, and I believe in that. So the question really starts, we focus so much on Animam, and Animam, and I believe, but forget that a second. Before I get to the Animam, let's take a step back. What am I believing in? What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. We're talking about a, a way to view your own life. It's a whole right. paradigm. It's a way to view everything differently. It's a, view, a way to view a, a mission in life, my goals in life. Why am I here? Where are my instructions? Where am I going? And then I say, well, that's a whole way to view life. I believe right. that this is what my life is about. Right. So it's not just, about to add, just to add to your point, the, the Hamaynam, the masses, when you say Animam to them, it usually means one thing. It's Animam Bemunushlam Viviyas Hamashiach, because that's the, the most famous Animamen. Which is true, because people think of it like it's a sad thing, Animamen. Like, oh, uh, the cattle car is no way. Right, right, right. Muna has been brought out at times at Tzara, right. which is true. I make mention, uh, mention there that uh, we discussed, for example, Chazal tell us, Day, daylight, when we see things clearly, crystal clear, that's when we mm-hmm. talk about the Chasadim of Hashem. When we see Hashem's hand, when something's clear to us, the times are good, a nace happens, a miraculous Yeshua, something fantastic. We could talk about Hashem. Emunascha, this is discussed at length by mm-hmm. Mephoshim, make mention of this. Emuna, there are many sources, say, uh, the Mephoshim tell us, Emuna means that there's a consistency where something is unwavering and will not change. The definition of Emuna is it was that way and it will always be that way right. and it cannot change. With that said, Emunascha Balelis, when it gets dark for Klai Yisrael, that's when we say, I don't know what's going on. I can't tell you what's happening. But I know that yesterday he was here for me. The day before he was here for me. So when the lights are off and it's dark, I know he's still right there. Mm-hmm. So yes, it always comes out. The moon it comes out when suddenly I'm in a panic mode. I can't see. The lights are off. It's black. Mm-hmm. But I'm taking the ideas I already know, these 13 ideas, and carrying them forward. But it's not about necessarily the time of survival in the dark. So it comes to the fore when there's a, 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 you know, a Bakr who was killed in Meron, uh, when, when, when there's a tragedy, you know, the, the horrors of World War II, and all these scenarios. That's when we see it. When someone can hold firm and say, I take that same message from before, and I carry it straight through the time mm-hmm. when I can't see what's happening. You, re- you know, thanks to A.B. Ronberg, people also know who Bariu Manag L'chal you know, I should mention. But, uh, but like you're saying, really, Animam, animam in, in general is really a much broader context. It's the Animam in the whole system that we believe in, mm-hmm. and really each Animam is just an outgrowth of, of that, right? Uh, yeah, I'll take for example, just a, a random one, just off the top of my head. Believing in the, in the idea of consequences, whatever we do has an effect, and we will ultimately enjoy the reward or pay the price. Right. That means when we go through life with accountability. That means when I, everything I do from when I wake up till right. I go to sleep, there's an accounting, there's a ledger, and it's going to, it's, sure. it's all on the books. I'm being videoed, yeah. all, it's gonna be there. So it's not a question of, you know, oh, by the way, I believe. If I know that everything I do is on record, that means I better be very careful. It's, it's not by the way. It's so integral to who we are, what we do. So that's what we're discussing. And the Rambam, the Rambam. But, but people will ask you, you know, uh, the, the, the Animamans were instituted to be said, but really, how do you apply it tangibly? One step back. The Rambam did not institute Animamans to be said. The Rambam put down the 13 ideas without writing the word Animam at all. Mm-hmm. He said there are 13 basics for every right. Jew. Right. These are basics you have to know. This has nothing to do with saying it every day. The word animam doesn't appear. The one who wrote animamin took those ideas and turned it into a credo. It's a statement of animamin. I firmly, right. whatever it is, in these, you know, however you translate it, I believe in these ideas. He took the Rambam's ideas and turned it into something we can say and uh, profess our, our belief in that. The Rambam wasn't saying that. The Rambam just laid it out and said, Here, these are the basics. Either you believe in it or you don't. It's a fact in the Rambam. You believe it, you're a Jew, you're in. You're Jewish regardless. You're a full-fledged Jew regardless. But if you want to know if you're on the team and playing for the team, you know, either you're in or you're out. All the dinam of achecha, of treating mm-hmm. someone as a brother, the Rambam says, various, various different things that will come up. The Rambam says, if you want to be on the team, so to speak, of Klai Yisrael, this is what it's at. Either you're on or you're off. 
Now it's up to you. The mm-hmm. Animamin author went ahead and took that and said, okay, let's get up there and say clearly, Animamin, I believe in these things, I'm on board, I'm with Klai Yisrael. So he turned into something that you say, again, we don't know who he is, but he turned, he turned into something where I can get up and say, I'm, I'm with us. That's well, well, what's your hope with this book? Uh, at the end of the day, besides that, obviously people should buy it and, 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 and study it. Well, what's your long-term goal that you feel would, would kind of validate the effort and the time to, uh, to you? What, what, what would that be? As uh, I think anybody, anybody who has any involvement in chinuch, and I say chinuch in a broad sense, education, the greatest tzlach he could have in any job in chinuch, which is uh, remarkable, remarkably rewarding. It's remarkably rewarding. It's nothing as, a, as, as, I can't describe anything close to the idea of you say a shir, or you give over a thought, or it's a two-minute thought, and you see someone's face light up, like, the, aha, I got it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something exhilarating about that, that you made a difference in someone's understanding of life, someone's understanding of a gemara, and it resonated. And you can see in a moment, you know, when you teach somebody, you can see right away, either they got it or they didn't get it, you know. It's, 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 uh, anyone in the field could tell you right away. But when you write something, you'll never see that. Mm-hmm. You'll never see that, but you hope that out there you're making a difference in people's lives. Now, right. I would say that within that, I would take two notes within that, two small things I would say, and that is, my immediate goal is that people view these ideas, this philosophy, these deep things, that's not for me. Today's day and age, you know, maybe perhaps, you know, in Germany 200 years ago, people were passionate about us, you know, at the time of Ascola and, and or other times, or whatever it was, people were passionate about their beliefs or ideas, and people would just go off the derech because, or, or, other, or the contrary, hopefully they, they, would, they, would, they would join Klai Yisrael because they were passionate about their beliefs, and it had to be. Today, we're a generation of, you know, iPhones and sushi. That, that's what we do. But, and people but, view but, that. So. But at the same time, there's a tremendous, tremendous bikush, like you said before, a bikush emes. And I'll tell you something else. We're sitting in the world of art scroll. <clears throat> What's the best-selling, what are the best-selling books? Living Amuna. Living Amuna. There's a, there's a desire for people to learn Amuna Betachen. <coughs> um, you have people like Rav Shalmorchai Rubashkin, yeah. who's selling a message, and he's the most popular message today, wherever he goes. People flock to hear him. People want to hear messages of Amuna Betachen. That's really what this book does. This book it just encompasses it based on... So the, the idea here right? is, I, what, what I'm trying to yeah. get to here, which is a, a little bit of a different track, what you know is everyone has their track where they can hit, nail their road to getting to Klai and, and hitting what they have to hit. What I was trying to hear was that the depth of the ideas should be something which is not seen as being something aloof, something esoteric, mm-hmm. something oh, for the people who, you know, the really brainy people out there who like to learn philosophy for the fun of it, you know. Every year in Klai the Rambam says, we all have to know this, and that means every Yid should and can understand this. This is not yeah. the domain of the philosophers. This is not the domain of the people who are tremendous Bali Machshava, you know, people who spend the... You know, the people today, we are, we are privileged to have tremendous Bali Machshava today who know these things mm-hmm. well. But every Yid in class has to know this. So the first goal, I would say, just to go back to your question, the first yeah. goal is every Yid in class should have an, a firm awareness. Again, we talk about Amuna. Everyone says, Animamin, that's great. I'm past that. I want every person to understand that the ideas that we have to believe are tangible, they're real and they're tangible. Mm-hmm. You can understand them, you go through this, or do we, there's this safer, does this work, you can do anything else you can find, find something to put into your terms that you should feel, it's not out there, it's right here. You can hang on to it, it's real. Number one, the very awareness that it's not something we just say, I believe and close your eyes. The ideas of what we believe, those very 13 ideas are all things that you can grasp. You can grasp, you can know it, and know it well exactly what it means to be it, and understand it. So the first accomplishment I would dream of accomplishing is to take these ideas and put them in people's hands that they can walk around and saying, walk around saying, there's something I know, something I understand. I'm not talking about level 
whatever it is, but on a simple, basic level. It's tangible and it's real to you. That's number one. Number two, and which is really the end goal, is that people should view their own lives differently. Amun is not something to die with. It's something to live with. It's something to live every day of your life with. We, look, we walk around the world, and you know, we, the, the world has a setup of how we view life. You're supposed to make money. You're supposed to be successful. We throw in yados too. All good things to do. But it's in dictates of life. You're supposed to be successful. We measure to some degree by having a job. And what is the purpose? That I should live a happy, well-meaning, you know, well-intentioned life and have good kids and all these type of good things, and I'm done. But if you do that, you can focus on a reality sort of dictated by the world at large with our version of it, so to speak, you know, with throwing in mitzvahs and everything else, and still not be in tuned to what your own mission is. There's, there's, there's a reality, and there's a different reality. There's a reality and something behind the scenes. I, I mean, just b'derich mashal, just b'derich mashal. You look around this room. We have svarim, svarim, beautiful, ornate svarim shelves, full of all sorts of svarim. Let's say I turn around to these shelves, and I tell you, guess what? These svarim, they're not real. They don't exist. These svarim shanks, they ain't there. Looking a little strange. Go over, check it out. Right. And yet, you look at me, you know, as much as that could be true, I tell you there's another version out there. We're sitting in a room with Noah's farm, with Noah's farm shrines, and it's all your imagination. It's real, but in a different context. If I tell you that, you look at me a little strange. But yet, I'm telling you the same thing about our world. We look at the world and we say, you have to make money, you have to be successful. Hold on, there's something else happening. There's a different reality happening here, we have to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. There's a Baruch Hu, and he put me here on a mission, and I have to do something. And I don't measure success the way the world measures success. So what's my mission? The mission is, he created the world. The mission is, there's Chayar V'Einish. The mission is, there's accountability. There's going to be an end game. There's going to be Mashiach. There's going to be a time that the world comes to perfection. There are things along the way. How do I know the mission? Where are my mission orders? So for that, Akash Baruch gave me a Tyra. These are all parts of my So can I, can I interrupt you for a second? Because we're talking to an audience predominantly of adults, right? Most, most people watching Inside Art School are adults. They're grown, maybe married, maybe have children. These are such basic fundamentals that you would think that by the time someone is 10, 15, 20 years old and they've gone through the yeshiva system, they would understand these very fundamental concepts. We live for a reason. We don't live to make money and live an easy life. We live to accomplish. I mean, you know, someone might say, if you don't have this down pat, but, you know, and on some basic level, by the time you're, you know, whatever age, you, you, you're behind the eight ball. Like, well, well, what's going on? So, and let's say we are. And let's say we are, so we have to. But I'm just saying, do you, that's right? That's my goal. That's my, my goal. This point is. I'm kind of lamenting in a nice way that people could go through a whole educational system and still not have this ingrained in them. You want to get, you don't want to get into shaky turf here. But, but I no, will I'm, say, not try, I'm, I will not, say, I'm not trying to say anything I, I controversial. Will say, I will I'm just say, saying I will really, say that. Right? Yeah. I, is, true. is that a valid point? It's a valid point. I just think that it's a lifetime work. True, but the basics really the basic should be down pat. The, the basics basic should be there should, that right? people should know. But I will say, yeah. we have systems today, we have Shivas today, they're doing a phenomenal job. Obviously, some are better. You know, some excel, some do well, some others. We have dedicated Rebbeim and Mechanchem out there. I can't tell you every situation you know, whether every yeshiva puts priority on this, whether they don't, I don't know. I can't tell you that. I could tell you, from my own limited experience, that the maturity curve today is probably far behind what it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't live 50 years ago. I didn't live 20 years ago. Uh, Rabbi Rucham and Amir used to discuss, you know, these type of things at depth, with, you know, in the tremendous depth with, with, uh, with the Bakram who came from Germany because they came with such a background. People used to grow up, again, going back, that this was 
part of their life. They, they, they grappled with these things. Why am I here in life? This is something they asked themselves. Today, I think most teenagers don't really have that question, but, but we're not hopeless. We may be behind the curve, but we're getting there. So mm-hmm. at some point, it's going to happen. Now, if a yeshiva gave a shmuz in you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th grade, base medrash, and he didn't address it fully, or he couldn't because of the maturity level, it happens. But one thing's for sure. Whatever the situation is, however we got here, we have people out there who can use enrichment in these things. That I can tell mm-hmm. you for sure. Sure. Right. So my job is... And, and, I'll, add, and I'll add to you, sorry. I, I, I will add that someone like Rup Shlomi Steinmetz, to be able to get up after such a, an unspeakable tragedy and get up by his son's Levaya and say, Animamen. For Klal Yisrael to watch a person go through an asylum like this and emerge with such strength, that, that speaks volumes. You know, for someone else to go around and preach Amuna and preach Animamen, so people, you know, will maybe listen, maybe they won't. But when someone goes through something like that and still is able to stand up and say, Animamen that that's more powerful than anything else. That's why a book like this, to be dedicated by him, Lila Nishmas' son, and the amazing work that you've done in elucidating it, that combination is unmatched. And that's why I think, Amir Tzashem, the Sefer, this book, is going to resonate with people on a, on a different level. There's, there's going to be a, a very special Siyad the Amir Tzashem. In terms of making it relevant, I would add that Baruch Hashem, I had the opportunity over the past two years to work at a number of opportunities of Chinuch, but particularly one of them is um, at night. I teach quite frequently the past uh, pretty much four years at Yeshiva Montreal, run by our school's very own Rabbi Sherman's son-in-law, uh, geared towards Bakram who are post-high school. They're out of high school. They are working other scenarios, and they come to learn. These are a challenging crowd. They have questions, and our goal always has been, well, we come into Night Seder every night, and the boys all know. The first thing is, when you come into Night Seder, they're entitled to ask any question they want. Everything is on the table, whatever you want. The only thing that's off limits is people. You cannot ask a question about a person, but a question about any topic you want, which means that on my end, my job as a mechanic is to stop and think, these are people here, and they want answers. Whatever topic is, if I can't explain to them quickly, on the spot, in terms they can understand, I lost a chance. And if I lost a chance, I lost them. And then it all spirals. It's been a great experience the past couple of years. It's an opportunity that uh, was gifted, and Baruch Hashem, from that, I think, it developed uh, really the ability, it helped develop that ability within this work to really plug into other people's brains and say, what bothers them? How do they think? And how can I put this into terms that they understand and something that will be meaningful for them that they can grab and, and, and be tangible for them? If I understand it, it's great. But I have to take it from there and put it into their terms in their world and the people out there. And when you have a disparate crowd like that, which is challenging, wants answers, and they're not people who necessarily are of the Yeshiva mentality. So you have to be able to take that idea and put it into that framework. I think it's something which is very beneficial and really played a role in putting this work on the table in a way that will be tangible for everyone out there. Any final word that you want to say just as we close the conversation? I think the work speaks for itself. I encourage everyone to read it. Hopefully it should enrich your life. But it's definitely true that, just to go back to what you just said, the greatest, you know, we have, we look to G'daylim as leaders, but sometimes the biggest role models we have are the people around us. We have people everywhere. Somebody in Shul knows how to daven, somebody knows how to learn. We watch them. We say, he's doing something special. The regular, simple Yidin around us can be the biggest role models if we pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Someone like Yerushalayim, in an extreme situation. I remember years ago, I was living in Eretz Yisrael, and one of the people in the Kehila, um, somebody flew to, his father was, was not well, he flew back to America, his father was Nifter, he flew with Arin back to Eretz Yisrael. And he came in right before Shabbos, and then came Shabbos. So he came to Shalom Shabbos, and he got an aliyah, and he benched Kaibon. He said, Thank you, Hashem. 
I remember sitting there watching. There's somebody who just went back. His father was not old, to the best of my knowledge. His father was Nifter. He just went back to be with his father. His father was Nifter. He's coming back in a state of tragedy. And he could stand by the beam and say, Thank you. You do everything good for me. You always take care of me. It's something a Yid can do, and we do it all the time. Pay attention to people around you who are doing this. And I'm talking not only about the moon and tragedy, but the way we live our lives. The people who live, the people all around us, in every show in Cloud Israel, you'll find somebody who lives his life with a passionate purpose in life. Let's be those people. They're there. Follow them, emulate them, live with a purpose. These animamans are here to give you a guide of how you should live your life. It's not about just saying, I believe. It's not about just believing in Mashiach. It's great if we understand, if you ask the average Yid, why do we want Mashiach? What for? And hopefully, with this, he'll be able to answer. What's the goal in Elam Habu? What am I aiming for? Am I just aiming for a luxury vacation that I can't afford down here so I should get it when I get upstairs? Hopefully you have a more mature idea than just that. These are all ideas we should develop. But the, the sum total of all these ideas is to give a person a way to go through life, starting from today, when you pick it up and look through it, hopefully, I would hope, in a Richard Klai Yisrael, to pick yourself up and to, and to change the way you live into, a, a, into a, um, a better life, a motivated life, a passionate life of purpose. Just have purpose in life to know where you're going, what life's all about. It's our life. We're living it. Do it educated. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.